Welcome back to Vulcan. Hello, the Incomparables Star Trek Discovery Flashcast. I am your host, as always, Scott McNulty. Joining me tonight is my frequent co-conspirator in all things Trek, Jason Snell. Jason, how are you? I am doing great. And Vanny Vidi Vici, I say to you, let's start with some Latin. That's right, because uh, we're watching the eighth episode of Star Trek Discovery. Well, we're not watching it. We're, we've already watched it. We're going to talk about it. The uh, penultimate episode of the fall season, apparently, because the next episode is the fall finale, whatever that means. Uh, also, this episode, I, it is as if the writers know that I cannot pronounce things. So they say, hey, let, let's make it hard for Scott so that uh, nerds on the internet will correct him. Uh, so now, they named this uh, after uh, a Latin phrase, a famous Latin phrase, which now, is if you Sc- want... Oh, well, it's yeah, right. So you, you, if you want peace, prepare for war is how it translates, mm-hmm. right? But yeah, yes. you did you not receive a Catholic education, <laughs> and do you not I, have Latin among your skills at least a little bit? Well, here, Jason, I don't, I don't believe that you were raised Roman Catholic. No, uh, I was not. <laughs> he laughs. I was, uh, I was raised uh, post Vatican II, which means that's when they switched the uh, right. liturgy to be the uh, the language of the country that it's in and abandoned the Latin Mass. Uh, so I have not. Ha- I wasn't forced in my childhood. I was forced to go to church, but I was then. F- I was forced to do it in English. Uh, and by the time I went to school in high school, uh, which is when you would be forced to take Latin, my high school had uh, relaxed the language requirement. So you could take Latin, but you could also take other languages. And so I took Spanish uh-huh. and did very poorly in Spanish as well. So I, I avoided Latin altogether. So I'm going to I'm going to try it then and say it's Sivis Pacem Parabellum. Sounds right to me. But basically, if you want peace, prepare for war, which makes sense. That's, I feel like, okay, I know this has been, this has come up on the flashcast before, but I just want to say it again. I feel like these writers, these producers on Star Trek Discovery really like took it upon themselves to look at classic episode titles, especially from the original series and say, you know what? We're going to do that. We're going to have <laughs> long and weird and outlandish mm-hmm. titles for some of our episodes because they remember probably like I do with disappointment, th- all of those uh, sort of like 90s Star Trek episodes that had titles like The Battle and The Bonding where it's literally just like a noun and they're like no we're not going to do that except for except for Lethe which is itself a you know a mythological name and not quite mm-hmm. the same as the battle so good for them i say even if it's unpronounceable by us it's great I am totally on board with the uh, wacky titles. So even though I do, I am not equipped to <laughs> podcast to, to about said yeah. titles. Uh, I, I I approve of them, and uh, this one was apropos of the episode. But before we jump into the episode, I just want to say that I am struck every time I watch a Star Trek Discovery episode. This one, in particular, for some reason, I'm struck at just how good it looks. Oh yeah. Uh, and this, this is like they're on a planet. Usually, when you're, you know, Star Trek, you go to a planet. They go to planets all the time. All the planets look the same. Uh, this one just looked nice, and it had, uh, you know, little uh, little spores dancing around. A lot of spores in the Star Trek Discovery. Oh uh, yeah, it's like I, I hope that the the mushroom spores and the par- and the uh, pavo spores don't meet because they could be like enemies or something. Or maybe they fall in love, like spore love. Maybe- it, it could be, but I, I I agree. The I actually wrote down location looks great because now they shoot the show in Toronto. I assume that this is something, some place outside of Toronto, but it's got like almost like glacier carved kind of like rock plus mm-hmm. all of the foliage, and it just it it looks great. And then they kind of extended it with CGI, um, and it like it's really outside. It's not a sound stage. It it looks. There are a couple moments that I thought. Like, this is a shot that you'd see in a Star Trek movie, like in a good Star Trek movie. And here it is in Discovery. <laughs> and then and then on top of that, there's also like a space battle that opens the episode that's got like a bunch of ships moving around and things being fired. And it's like, yeah, th- this show, this show looks great. They are taking full advantage of what, uh, you know, a Star Trek show should look like in 2017. And I know when they announced this show, we were all 
all a little bit like trepidatious of like, are they really going to, is it going to look cheap or is it going to really look like modern, well-budgeted sci-fi? And that is what it is. It looks like a million bucks because that's good because it costs like several million dollars per episode. <laughs> so it should actually look better. Yeah, that. it does. It does. And I think it does. I think it looks like four million bucks or five million bucks or whatever it is. Yeah, I think it does. Uh, I wonder, I do wonder. So there's still a constant theme in our discussion of Star Trek Discovery is the fact that a lot of Star Trek fans, well, I won't say a lot, but there's a vocal uh, audience of Star Trek fans who are dissatisfied with Star Trek Discovery. And that's their right. Hey, yeah, like what you like. Uh, but I do wonder if the look, the striking look of it is what is kind of turning some people off because they they have a hard time reconciling that with how differently it looks from the original series, which of course it does because why wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it just, they can't get it through their heads. It's like, ah, this shouldn't look this way. I, I think and it's, so they, I think it's funny because like TOS has its own look. And then I would argue that the nineties shows. So, so TNG, Deep Space Nine and Voyager have a look. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Enterprise looks a little bit different. It was, you know, done the most recently. It was shot in HD. Um, I think Discovery doesn't look I think Discovery looks like a progression from Enterprise. I get that if your Star Trek is one of the 90s shows um, or uh, TOS, how this feels really different. Although, you know, I watch The Expanse and stuff like that, right? And I'm like, hey, modern (laughs) science fiction in space. This is great. Um, That's what it looks like. Yeah, it it does. But also, I think it's not jarring if uh, you've watched Enterprise. Like, Enterprise is a while ago now, and it it looks way better than Enterprise. But I think it's a little less jarring, because that was... It's weird. I'm not trying to be an Enterprise apologist here by any stretch of the imagination. But (laughs) Enterprise was an attempt to to make Star Trek feel a lot more modern, I think. Mm -hmm. Whereas Voyager... Voyager felt like like TNG in so many ways. Like it was just a continuation, D- Deep Space Nine too, to a certain degree. And you know, Discovery has like gone way beyond what Enterprise did. But uh, yeah, you can like it or not like it. But uh, I think it looks great, and I-, I feel like it's a great combination of being Star Trek and also being modern. Because what I didn't want Discovery to be is just a nostalgia trip, because that would feel kind of embarrassing. Like, I mean, again, you should like what you like. I have only only seen a, a couple episodes of the Orville, but the Orville Uh-oh. feels like a nostalgia trip to me, <laughs> and Star Trek Discovery doesn't. And I guess that's what you're looking for, right? But the Orville feels very much like a TNG nostalgia, and Discovery doesn't. It feels like something different, but still Star Trek. Uh, I agree, and I, I will say I don't like the Orville, but I don't like it less than I thought I would. <laughs> So. Do that math at home, everybody. I, and I'm going to watch more episodes. I've got a bunch of episodes in the DVR. I, I'm going to watch a couple more at some point. It got renewed for a second season. I think it's interesting. I think it's an interesting show. And it may yet turn into something decent, uh, even though I didn't like the initial ones. If you, you think it's decent already, great. Listeners, great. Um, but I think there's some evolution there, just as Star Trek shows often will evolve. Like, yes. Next Generation didn't start out so hot. I think I think already they're realizing that, like, originally it was going to be, like, Seth McFarlane's jokey Star Trek thing and like Fox advertised it that way and now they're like mm-hmm. oh it's actually not that it's actually much more of a of a science fiction drama it's more Star Trek and less family guy and they're trying to figure that out and maybe they that will um that will resolve and and the show will get a, a kind of a clearer sense of what it wants to be but it, it does I, I only brought the Orville up to say it feels like a show that is is modern it's got some special effects and all of these things but it does feel suffused with nostalgia for the next generation which is great I love the next generation and, but I'm glad that Discovery does not feel the it makes references and it's Star Trek but it doesn't feel quite like it's uh its purpose is to be an homage to a previous show and i i'm okay with that i agree they're 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 charting new territory mm. uh and the orville also is charting new territory i mean you know there are a lot more uh uh off-color jokes in the orville <laughs> yeah. than you will find in star yeah. trek so i guess that's new territory uh and it does look good but uh, in a very different way uh but so s- stop sending tweets and emails when i brought up when i said i didn't like it and people get it's fine and send me it's, it's it, fine you, you can like the orville and it's the, but you know what that means that also means it's okay that scott doesn't like it it's okay right. it's all okay everybody and gets watch, to like what they like but we're here to talk about star trek discovery yeah, which which we like somebody tweeted at us and said it's really interesting to see the people who like it and the people who hate it we generally are predisposed mm-hmm. to like it i didn't know that yes. going in but i've been very happy with it that's right i think i mean 
I will say, because I was thinking, as I was watching this episode, which I liked, um, I didn't, I wasn't crazy about this episode because I f- kind of felt like it was a little bit of filler, but that's okay. Uh, that I am predisposed to like Star Trek. So obviously Star Trek Discovery is, I'm grading it on a curve because I like Star Trek so much. Um, but I do really like it. Uh, and I like uh, many of the characters, which is always important. Mm-hmm. Uh, this episode was uh, fine. It, was, uh, yeah. it had some good moments. I, I feel like I the last know. two or three have been all kind of like, oh, well, that was the best episode yet. Oh, that was the best episode yet. And this was, mm-hmm. um, so I, I watched this with my wife and she mm-hmm. turned to me when it was over and said, all that stuff on the planet, now that was Star Trek. And I said, <laughs> yeah, like it, it wasn't the best episode of Discovery. I liked it, but I feel like the last two or three have been really, really good and interesting. Mm-hmm. And, but that that planet side stuff was like i mean it was kind of it was very reminiscent of this side of paradise from the original series a little bit of because there's spores i was I, I, at one point i was waiting for saru to say we'll get into it but i was waiting for him to say are you of the body like, I was like oh, it's, it's but but like i i think lauren's reaction to it was was dead on which is uh now that's Star Trek. Like it's like, it, and I I felt that um, I think last week too that there was some aspects of the episode that I was like, oh yeah, it's it's it doesn't just feel like we're telling a continuing story in the Star Trek universe. Like the episodes have pulled back just enough. They have fifteen episodes, right? It's just enough mm-hmm. that they cannot have every one of them dramatically act or add to the arc, right? They can right. they can take time to say this is going to be a episode where they're down on a planet with a weird alien, and and uh, <laughs> that's that's Star Trek to me so that's good and it's in the back set with the backdrop of the war so they're there because of the war and we see some of the the repercussions of the war so it's 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 not a filler may be a harsh term but uh it felt like it didn't really bring the story along too long although there are a couple of interesting tidbits that are in it yeah and we'll get to them uh but we'll start off with uh where it starts off no no little uh pre-credit thing again second straight week yeah I don't know. I guess they no are teaser. like, uh, we don't like teasers. Screw them. No, previously on is all you need to know. And we'll, that's, uh, that's it. Yeah. Oh, maybe. and I found out someone, someone emailed me and said that the international viewers, hello, international viewers, ah. uh, don't get the next week on Star Trek Discovery, uh, thing at the end. So they asked that we, Ha-ha. uh, s- s- fire off a spoiler horn if we're going to talk about Okay. That. So, that's good. Uh, and I we'll have some that. issues. I want to, I want to, uh, shoot off the, uh, conspiracy phaser at the end of the episode. Oh, too, all so. right. Hmm. We'll, we, we'll go back to our our favorite uh, section of the discovery. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're, yeah. it's it's out behind Captain Lorca's uh, weird Goran skeleton. There's the conspiracy <laughs> closet is back there, and that's where the that's conspiracy right. phaser lives. Mm-hmm. It's it's behind lock and key mm-hmm. uh, and uh, a breath analyzer. Thing, <laughs> that's right, right. <laughs> exactly the breathalyzer. You have to get through that. <laughs> but it opens with uh, right the uh, the the USS um, uh, the Gagarin. Oh, no. Gagarin, there you go. I, I was practicing saying Gagarin, Yuri Gagarin, uh, and then I completely blanked on the name. Because I'm a professional podcaster, people. Yep. That's right. uh, <laughs> getting attacked by the Klingons. OMG, uh, we're thrust back into the Klingon War after a couple of episodes of, uh, you know, it's there, but... We're doing other we're, stuff. We're, we're, we're trapped in a time thing. Yeah. It's very complicated in space. Uh, but uh, the the Gagarin not doing very well against six Klingon vessels that all have what do they call them? Uh, uh, stealth shielding is that what yeah, they say? Yeah, invisibility sh- uh, curtains or something. I don't know. It's all <laughs> it's like don't call it a cloaking device. Although they do call it a cloaking device at one point, but it's they mostly don't call I it. I think that. The, Klingon, the Klingons call it a cloaking device. Uh, Everybody yeah. else calls it something else. Yeah, because uh, they so just guess they haven't heard it before. They have an updated Urban Dictionary with uh, the <laughs> right. Klingon definition. It's the Star, Starfleet Urban Dictionary, yeah. <laughs> uh, and so they're they're getting uh, beat up by a bunch of Klingons, and uh, the Discovery uh, has to come and rescue them. Yeah, and, and they're just of, uh, operating out in the open. Like, Discovery's just popping in, to, you know, doing a battle, and then uh, popping out again. So I, I guess that's not a secret anymore. I guess they know that the Klingons know, so they're not going to even pretend anymore. They're still going to just have this Discovery ship that just kind of appears and disappears. And I like the scene. I, I it, it 
doesn't end well for the Gagarin, but no, uh, no but although that's I, a cool like there's that moment where um Lorca basically says put us between the mm-hmm. them and the and the navigator gives him the side eye and it's very much like we're gonna take the hits for them because they, they can't get away and they're more damaged than we are. Um but they only stop the one torpedo and then the other one blows up the Gagarin and they're like, Oh shucks, let's get out of here. Uh, <laughs> but I, I like I like that and I like that they, they um I thought that space battle stuff looked really good, and mm-hmm. I liked that they did that thing where um, you see some of it from the outside, and then they kind of come in, and you end up with, like, what does it look like on the bridge of the Discovery, where there's, like, tactical screens around, and then there's what's on the main screen, and that um, the geography was pretty good. Like, Lorca's, like, you know, there um, he's being told, like, we've got these two on us, but this other one is going for the Gagarin, and he says, get us in between them, and then we see that. Like, it... it um, uh, it all held together, and sometimes when we talk about um, science fiction movies and action movies, um, I complain about geography. Like, you don't really know what you're watching or where anything is. It's just like stuff is moving around and blowing up, and sometimes that's on purpose to kind of like confuse you and hide the 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 fact that they don't they can't actually show what they're trying to show. And here, I thought it was really clear about what was going on, and we got to see it. Some of it from the bridge, some of it like out in space, and I thought it was really good. And as a fan of uh, Star Trek ships, I enjoyed seeing the Klingon ships, and they all look vaguely like birds, so that satisfies uh-huh. me. Uh, so, good job, Star Trek Discovery. Yeah, and I like the, um, from back in the day, even when I was watching the original series, and I would uh, get excited when they, you know, essentially took, uh, like, a model of the Enterprise and put a, put some different numbers on it and be like, oh, it's the... It's, it's, it's a this, new one. It's this totally different <laughs> ship now. It's the, it's the USS Constellation or whatever. Um, I liked seeing the Gagarin because that's, you know, yet another, uh, yet another ship. I'm not quite sure what class it is. I'm also, I was wondering whether they redressed the Discovery Bridge as the bridge of the Gagarin or if they reused the... Shinjo sets because they've got they've got those too but um, it was fun to see like another ship and and it wasn't one of those things like they sometimes did on TOS where you like uh, it was literally just exactly the same <laughs> as the bridge of the Enterprise. It was like no, you know, it was it, it it was hidden enough that that it just it felt a little different and that was uh, that was fun too. I like seeing other Starfleet ships too. And this is the first episode I think that we see uh, Stamets actually in the spore chamber and we right. see his little cybernetic things work uh and he uh, you know they do a jump in there and then they jump out again um and he he staggers out and and looks at uh, tilly and says what are you doing here captain uh and she's quite confused he's quite confused and then he gets out here so Samets last uh, couple episodes of Samets has been kind of <laughs> he's been high on mushrooms yeah, he's been like, hey, I'm loose, I'm ready to party. Uh, and now we're back to uh, Mr. Cracky Pants. Yeah, and um, and this there's a later scene where Tilly calls him on it, and he, mm-hmm. he very he very quickly caves and, and says, well, act- <laughs> he says, I, I'm not going to tell you anything. Well, actually, I'm having all these issues, <laughs> which is like, well, he's not uh, trying really too hard. But um, but here, when he says that, that like, uh, thing, to, and he, he says, Captain... Um, and she asks, I think we're led to believe that he's hallucinating. And he talks about in that later scene, how he sometimes everything makes sense. And sometimes things don't make sense. And I feel like this is going to be a setup for something that it's not, he's not just hallucinating. I had that to, to, to bring in another TV show. I had that Dr. Who moment where there's that line of dialogue that seems like it's just somebody acting crazy. And then you realize like eight episodes later that it's actually dialogue from later and it's come back in time or it's like from a like i i think the calling her captain maybe i'm wrong but my gut feeling is that that's going to be explained like what was he really thinking then that there's something going on here but it's manifesting from his perspective it's manifesting as sometimes he things make sense and sometimes times things don't make sense and uh and he does admit that to her. And um, I mean, we might as well mention the rest of that scene. Now she asks if he wants to talk to the doctor and he points out that he can't because the only thing that the doctor can do is report it, in which case it's like illegal genetic engineering, in which case he'll be dissected basically by Starfleet or he doesn't report it, in which case he's breaking the law and his Starfleet career will be over when it's found out. So 
you know, don't he can't he can't tell the doctor. <laughs> so instead, he and Tilly talk in the mess <laughs> hall with people all around. <laughs> all right, <laughs> you know, well they're they're quite the it's it's a library like atmosphere, and so they're they're whispering, which well, is not true at all. And she's on she's no, it's not true. She's on his uh, his team, right? So I guess there's yep. that. Like even though that we saw in the first or in episode three, I guess that there's this whole group of people down there in engineering. Uh, it seems like during this particular black alert, it's just Tilly. So they have <laughs> yeah, a conversation. Yeah, I mean, just Tilly. I like and Tilly. I, feel, I do. I like Tilly a lot. I feel like this is uh, these two interactions are going to be very important. It does. I think that he is. Uh, here's my theory. Okay, that it's theory is, time. Is we don't need to fire on... off the uh, conspiracy phaser for wild theories. So this is no, wild theory no, this time. Is, this is uh, this is not too wild of a theory. I think he is seeing uh, multiple timelines, and he's oh. uh, shifting through the timelines. I think that may be. Um, the only other footnote I would put there is or or parallel universes, right? Yes. Like, like because it could be when we saw him in the mirror. Like, is is it the mirror universe or another mm-hmm. parallel universe, or is he shifting through time? Which would lead to a scene later where he ta- he says that same line of dialogue to the captain, and it turns out he's saying it in both timelines at once, and and. That, that could be as well. But yeah, that's why I feel that way, too, that this is probably setting that up. Also, I want to mention the great Tilly line that we get in this episode where she basically she says, like, no, no, I, I, I'm supposed to reassure people. Why are you not being reassured by me? That's it's right. like Tilly I'm has really very good yeah. at reassuring people. Yeah, she feels she she's very confident in her abilities in certain areas. Like she knows she's good. She loves feeling feelings and she's mm-hmm. great at reassuring people. These are Tilly's jobs right and she's very upset with Stamets that he doesn't but but they agree that they will monitor his episodes so it's all it's all fine it's like, fine don't yeah. worry about it they're gonna watch it's it cool. we'll just we'll just see what happens is basically and what's I, going on further to further bolster my theory the first thing we would learn about Tilly is that she wants to be a captain and then yeah. he calls her captain so that's uh that's what I'm basing my whole theory on. right well that that could be that it's that it's you know future future Tilly that he sees there but it also could be like he's talking to Lorca like in two weeks that, and it's happening that I had not considered that. that's also uh, an interesting thing we'll see right. what happens maybe in the parallel universe Tilly is the captain oh <gasps> she's she's super evil but, <laughs> that's right she's got an eye patch it's just a thing anyway yeah she does and she is not reassuring. No, she is terrifying. That's what she does. She terrifies so Let me people. assure you that I'm going to kill you. That's what she does. That's how she assures the people. agony booth with mm-hmm. you. Uh, there you go. Well, uh, so the sport chamber, kind of like an agony booth. Uh, yeah. Although Stamus doesn't look like he's in particular agony. Uh, but anyway, we spent a lot of time talking about that one little scene. Yeah. It doesn't really matter that much. Uh, but we find out, so this has an A plot and a B plot and I guess a C plot because we also have everybody's favorite seeds in Klingon um, yes <laughs> yeah which I thought were really good this time actually I feel like finally they have a story that, to tell there I agree uh, but let's go to the planets uh, Pavo Pavo pa- yeah and, and this is um, I, I liked I kind of like the the device here which is like the A plot doesn't the show does not start out with the A plot the show starts out with discovery and then mm-hmm. you get through this whole thing with the black alerts and all that and then there's one of those like, well, we got to go back and pick those people up on that planet. <laughs> Cut to personal log. Burnham and mm-hmm. uh, Ash Tyler and Saru are on a planet on an away team mission. And they've got, <laughs> you know, 18 hours or whatever it is to solve this problem. And I, I kind of liked that, that it's like, oh, away team. Are, the, those characters you didn't see, that's the A plot. We're going over there now. <laughs> that's right. Let's go back to the, the action. Uh, already in progress. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is a very, you know, to echo Lauren's uh, point, their mission is very Star Trek in that it is ridiculous uh, because <laughs> the, the, the planet uh, always is, a, everything on the planet emits a particular tone, so it's always noisy, and somehow there's this crystal antenna that they want to hook up to the 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 noises on the planet and broadcast it into space. Why would they want to do that? So that they could turn it into sonar, so they can see the clothed Klingon ships. Makes perfect sense i i as the episode went along i felt like i bought into the premise more but i thought the <laughs> initial sales pitch was weak like the idea i mean they're because they're trying to get across like look there's a natural natural thing that happens on this planet and it emanates radiation you know a, a signal into the uh, into the galaxy we don't think it's actually necessarily sentient but it's doing this and if we can figure out a way to amplify this we could use it basically to 
ping off of the invisible Klingon ships and see them. Like, I felt like they could have sold it a little better, although it may be that it's so ridiculous that they had to do the soft sale. <laughs> but, but as the episode goes along, the premise of the planet kind of starts to make sense and not be as ridiculous. But the initial sale is just, I, I agree. I was like, okay, Star Trek, it's a planet with a big radio <laughs> tower. Got it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're going to tune it to the right frequency. That's right. Uh, to the to the to the Klingon station. Uh, that's right. And, and broadcast Klingon opera everywhere. And then they'll see uh, the Klingons out there. That's right. As as you know, this it's a story as old as time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, oh. and I think. Although the, I like the, a lot of what happens there, but I don't like that particular why they're there. I, I like uh, I like where it goes. Like I said, I like where it goes, but I think the way it's introduced is is more ridiculous. It, it may it, it. I feel like they do explain why there's a t- giant crystal tower reaching to the sky, broadcasting things later. But when mm-hmm. they first introduce, it's like okay why that's so dumb and then they do explain it but i did one thing that this show has done that this this reinforces because we've already seen it with the spore drive is like just as the original star trek especially made such a big deal about like computer technology because computers were just starting to happen not even personal computers just like mainframe computers and so the original star trek extrapolated wildly about things that have turned out to be pretty accurate like computer voice interfaces and things like that and some that are maybe less inaccurate like computers taking over entire planets planetary societies and running them i mean cross your fingers facebook Mm, maybe really who knows google um exactly right but um here we see it with this too that star trek discovery is all in on like biotechnology and biology as being Mm -hmm. being like the 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 weird futuristic tech of star trek discovery seems to all be kind of about biology and i don't know if i buy all of the particular instances of it like the spore drive is super weird but (laughs) what i think is cool is that it does not feel like every other science fictional um especially on star trek but i think in general science fictional uh future tech kind of thing to have it be like this biology spin i think gives it 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 gives it a different kind of flavor and i think it's interesting even though i don't always necessarily buy it um and i wonder what it says about like the times we live in now that they're interested in like talking about bio biotech related things instead of like advanced computer things that computers are boring and everybody's got them but biotech is weird and interesting and could go interesting places in the future i don't know because that's what i thought when they were down on the planet is that the whole thing is about like this is a biological entity on this planet that they're trying to use Mm -hmm. as a radio and that that was weird and interesting yes i was just at a conference and one of the keynotes uh, was a futurist who was saying that there are three big things that are going to be uh, big in the future, uh, nanotechnology was one of them. Uh, I can't remember the third, but biotech was uh, the second one. So oh. I think that you, uh, you and that futurist agree. It's and so does sense, apparently Star Trek Discovery. It's the discovery, like it's a sense of the times. I, I think in exactly. a way. So yeah, they're on this planet, uh, and we got Saru, Burnham, and uh, Ash Tyler. They're uh, all outfitted out with their their armor, except for Saru. I don't know why he's not wearing any, but he's whatever. already probably armored, he's and and he too ne- tall. He doesn't want to be too burdened because he might need to run ninety kilometers per run hour really fast. Now that was that was what Chekhov's uh, running ability. <laughs> That's right. It was what? Why has he? Well, all along, why has he had those big hooves and everything? And it's like, and then oh, I can run really fast. You will see me run fast later. That was I thought that was good. I didn't realize that was a Chekhov's running thing when they mentioned it, but it totally was. And he mm-hmm. runs later, so we got to see yes. Saru running. But there was that. The, my notes just say Kelpians are fast and since predators, <laughs> but of course they do. They got to run. They're they're, they're alien like zebras. They got to they got to run. Get away from the lions. That's right. And I am starting to, I think that uh, a lot of the uh, kind of uh, nitpicking about Star Trek Discovery so far has been that you don't get to see a lot of the characters interact. They've always been doing kind of dark brooding things and things have been blowing up. And this is a nice little, they have this little walk, mm-hmm. they're walking through the forest, they're talking about Saru like he's not there, uh, yes. and then he, and he, he calls turns around. Yes, and he calls it on. They're like, oh, this is, this is why people watch Star Trek, because of uh, these little moments between uh, these folks. And they're they're looking they're hiking to get to this antenna. They can't land. They couldn't transport down. 
uh, within 80 kilometers because reasons. reasons. <laughs> uh, you don't really need to know. Uh, and they're walking around, and uh, suddenly, uh, this is right. They, pretty much, they don't spend too much time on the planet before uh, the the um, blue spores kind of appear in a vaguely like body shape. Yeah, glowy and, blobs. The glowy blobs appear. And mm-hmm. uh, and there's a moment of like, well, we could just ignore this. And then they look and there's glowy blobs all around them. And it's like, well, we're surrounded. OK, I yes. guess we're going to talk to the glowy blobs, <laughs> um, which, mm-hmm. as Burnham points out later, you know, we're, we're beyond the prime directive here because we've made contact. This is like first contact protocol now. Like we 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 thought it's like a SETI Alpha 5, right? It's uh, we thought mm-hmm. that there were not there was not anybody here and we could do what we wanted. But it turns out somebody is here. So we have right. that totally changes how we have to handle things. Hopefully they counted the planets correctly before they I hope landed. So. <laughs> Always count the planets. That's right. That's that's what we learned from uh, Star Trek Two. Uh, yeah, and I really like the because Ash Tyler's basically like, well, let's let's just go use the the antenna and we'll be fine. Uh, and Burnham, who you know, the first two episodes set up as kind of a model Starfleet officer, and then obviously we talk about this in every episode because it's kind of central to her character, makes this fatal decision that kind of derails her career, but she is still a very good Starfleet officer. And she's like, we have to follow protocols. And Saru's all about it. He's like, I am going to talk to these aliens and ask them if we can do stuff. Uh, which he does by, I guess, communing with them. It's unclear. They're, they build a vocabulary. He gets tired. Yeah. Uh, so- yeah. He puts his, he puts his arm in the like thing and then he pulls it out and is like, Oh, it's, it's uh surprising, but uh, I think I can communicate with them. Um, and, unclear how. Yeah. Un- unclear how. But also, I, I, also Ash Tyler tells, tells Burnham a story about uh, uh, mm-hmm. how he, he enjoys fishing for trout in, on uh, Lake Shasta. So so even though he grew up in in uh in outside of Seattle he he went fishing in northern California which is fine I'm sure that's like a little shuttlecraft <laughs> ride it's not it, not far in the 23rd it's century fine. but a little a little note about that uh, to which she responds our futures look very different because you'll go fishing and I'll go back to prison for life uh which that's is a like idea. a good reminder of where Burnham where Burnham's head is right now that's true. And my one problem with this episode, well, I have many problems with this. Well, not many, a few problems with this episode. But then uh, they're having this little conversation. Uh, and then they start making out, uh, which I, I was thinking, I don't know. You know, you're on this planet. You're making first contact. I'm not sure if this is the appropriate time to be kissing each other, but... Well, I, I, I Lauren and I talked about this, and, and we did agree that it is very romantic alien glow light there. It so, is. So it's, it's the, true. The, the, the glowing aliens provide their own romantic ambiance, so <laughs> I, I guess... And they're in that tent that, I know, with right? the, the, the glowing the, crystal thing. They're bonding. They're, they're, they're finally alone because that really annoying <laughs> Kelpian is outside doing whatever he's doing, which actually turns out to be really bad. And um, mm. the... Uh, uh, also, you you skipped over the uh, important Klingon philosophical pickup lines, which is uh, if you know the code to the needs of the many, the needs of the few, and the needs oh. of the one, then you're in uh, pretty good with uh, <laughs> with uh, the ladies who've been educated on Vulcan philosophy. I, I imagine that in, mm-hmm. in, in, in sort of like colleges in this century, there's definitely everybody every <laughs> like freshman phil- philosophy major is reading like the works of Surak and then trying to mm-hmm. get it over on uh on their uh their classmates by quoting vulcan uh, proverbs and things and they're like oh it's so dreamy it's the vulcan stuff and he's like yeah it is and then there's kissing yeah <laughs> i think that that is true i was trying to think of uh an appropriate vulcan pickup line but uh my my wits have failed me that's uh, uh, that's okay i just consult the works of surak he was uh <laughs> It's you know all I mean. it's all in there. It's all that's right. Exactly right. It's like yeah, say hey 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 there. Uh, have you ever considered the needs of the many? I prefer or the needs of the one or the Wink. one. Oh, yeah. Anyway, it totally works, I guess, and they, there's they, kissing yeah. by romantic well, alien glowlight. They are in a, it's true they're in a romantic setting. They're both attractive people. I'm not against them kissing. I just felt like it didn't seem like the right time or like place away team mission business business but they, it was like That's the right. downtime and they were gonna they were gonna take a nap or whatever and, and they was, weren't really doing anything anyway so it's all right i suppose yeah but there uh, is but a while ticking they're making clock. out 
Yes, while they're, 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 they have 18 hours until the Discovery comes to pick them up again. Yeah. Uh, but while they're making out, Saru is uh, talking to the spores, uh, and he uh, he can't sleep because of – I guess this might happen a little bit after the making out. He can't sleep. Yeah, it's the like the next scene. Is, yeah, the noise is going on. It's a constant noise, and he can hear it, and they can't really hear it, and it's really driving him crazy. And so right, he so gets he, he gets up and out. Wa- wanders outside. Also, that was um, in this scene right before that. Uh, we do learn like um, they are the planet. Like the bugs are the oh, whole planet right. is all mm-hmm. kind of connected. The whole thing is is one it's kind high. of organism. And and this is the part where I was like, oh, okay, you sold me on this on this premise, which is they are alone. They've been trying mm-hmm. to find others. They built the like crystal uh, antenna and started broadcasting out into the universe because that. That is their way of trying to find other people. So, so the, it's not at that point. I was like, "All right, okay, I get it." There's an alien race on this planet that has built this thing in or and is broadcasting, and that's why that's what leads the discovery there. And it's kind of backward to finally get that kind of all wrapped up this far down in the story. But at that point, I was like, "All right, I will accept your alien radio <laughs> tower premise now." Fine. No, yeah. I, it made a lot more sense then, but I still think the whole idea of the you turning it into sonar for Klingons is ridiculous. Yeah, that, oh, that part I, I agree with you. It's like, hey, there's a radio somewhere. Let's, I, I know, <laughs> let's use this as sonar for Klingons. Like, is that how that works? Because I've got a radio right here we could use. <laughs> That's right. I think we could probably build one. <laughs> yeah, the Starfleet uh, uh, ping system could be used. Exactly. And, but Saru, but, uh, Saru goes outside, though, and, and, uh, and then bad things happen to him. Yes, yeah, so it's kind of like, you know, be careful what you wish for, right? Because he says to the, the spores, can you make it stop? And they take that to mean something different mm. than what he is referring to, right? Because he wants the noise to stop because he wants to sleep. Yep. Uh, and so they kind of, you know, uh, invade him, as it were, and we get a <laughs> series of flashbacks uh, and, uh, about, you know, uh, Saru being in very stressful situations. And then suddenly we have a very calm Saru who is at one with the universe. Uh, and he tells uh, Burnham and Tyler all about how uh, the the aliens of this planet, ah, that's how I avoid mispronouncing them, uh, are uh, in balance. And they, you know, and Burnham's like, oh, that's what we search for, a Starfleet. Yes. Let's yes. all get along. Indeed. And also, I need your communicators so I can crush them. <laughs> that's right. He's like, yeah, head those over. I've, I've, I've talked to Captain Lorca. Yep, He's cool good. with us staying mm-hmm. here forever. Mm-hmm. Just give me your communicators. Uh, we find out so many things about Saru. He's really fast. And he's apparently incredibly strong. Incredibly or, strong communicators are shoddily made <laughs> it could be both could be both that's right a little column a little bit but he's, he's now he, that he's bonded with the aliens which is very you know again the original series the side of paradise where he's like i'm mm-hmm. i'm one with the body now i'm feeling good i'm uh oh, everything is peaceful uh we're gonna stay here forever and be at peace which right. i and like i like that it's also like later he he says um, when he sat in sickbay at the end of this, like, no, but it, it was me that the idea here is that mm-hmm. they are giving him what he wants, which is putting him at peace. So you, you're left with that question of like, they're not necessarily like possessing him and taking him over, but they are doing yeah. just enough to him to kind of like get him to behave the way they want is sort of how I read it. But, um, yes. which, you know, I forgive him for that. I'm not going to, uh, he may not forgive himself, but it's like, well, no, you are under the influence of alien spores. It's, it's in the <laughs> Starfleet manual, frankly, this is fine. It's that's covered. Like page two. Yeah, really. That's general order four. If under the influence of alien spores, it's cool. You're not responsible for anything you do. That's right. We've been there, done that. Yeah. And I do think, though, Saru is possibly one of my favorite characters on Discovery because he's just so interesting. Uh, and we find out later that he, you know, he, he asked them basically to stop the noise because he wanted to sleep. Uh, but what they did was put him at peace, like you said. So he has constantly been living in fear because that's his his people are, are uh, uh, prey. Right. Uh, and so what they do is they're just always afraid. So he has never been not afraid his entire life. This is the first time he has ever been at peace. Uh, and so when, you know, Burnham wants to continue the mission and basically bring the Klingons or alert the Klingons to the fact that this planet exists, he's uh, not on board with that. Right. Uh, Which is not good. But speaking of the Klingons, we should probably talk about 
uh, what's you want, happening. You want to you want to wrap up Saru before we go to the Klingons? Maybe we should just finish this we'll, this we'll, line. We'll wrap up Saru. That's good. So yeah, he he's a uh, he's like everybody. Stay here. We're super cool. Uh, it's great. Uh, Burdum's like, how about? we don't and <laughs> yeah there's a moment where he's like come on outside and they're like all right we'll be right out there and then he leaves and they're like okay this is bad we need to do something here and mm-hmm. uh, and what are we going to do and can we use it and and uh, ash tyler basically says like look i'm i'm the ranking officer now that saru has gone loopy and this is what we're going to do we're going to go and we're going to we're going to do that and that that leads to like um the the deception where um, we get, a, I think the, like the next scene, Saru's just talking to him and he's like, Oh, Hey, how's it going? Where's Burnham? Oh, we, we fought, which they were at kind of at odds in the, in the previous scene. And, and, Plausible. and he's like, yeah, it's, it's cool. And then they, um, and then Saru kind of uses his spore powers to realize that, uh, it's totally a lie and, uh, that Ash Tyler is a liar and a deceiver <laughs> and, uh, and, That's and right. that he has to That's go. That's what that rock tells him. Yeah. And, yeah. The green glowing green rock of truth. And so he mm-hmm. has to go get, uh, get Burnham who's out in that, you know, great location where, yeah, where it look so beautiful. Yeah. And so he's got to run fast Kelpian running <laughs> as promised. Oh man. To That's go right. They, they mentioned it. And I was like, he's going to run at some point. And I was like, aha, <laughs> he is running. <laughs> yeah. And we get a little shot of him doing his like, uh, almost like a deer or something. He's got like mm-hmm. a, a lope that he can do that is apparently quite fast. Um, he's, he's a speedy runner, but Burnham uh, had a head start, so she's uh, crouching by the the crystal antenna, hooking up her her tough book yeah. uh, to <laughs> the, the yep. thing. I, I to... like I like the tension there too, where she's got a she's got a, uh, a head start on him, but then like she hears him and sees him coming down the, the he's very the, fast the hill, and she's like, oh boy, and she's got to hurry it up, and because he's going to get there, we know how fast he is, so he's going to get mm-hmm. to her, and so there's that tension where he's going to arrive and smash her little thing, which is what he does. He he does and he throws her and then uh uh he uh they fight a little bit and she's like this is not you saru and he's like uh, i want to be at peace um and then and she shoots him a bunch of times she, she does uh <laughs> and uh i i would uh, i thought to myself maybe you should uh raise the power on that phaser there burn it doesn't seem to be doing anything uh, she doesn't want to kill passes. him right she she wants to uh, knock him out I, I but yeah i i had that same thought which is the stun setting is not working <laughs> Because you, you shoot him like five times and he's still talking he's, to you. He's not stunned. No. Uh, but this is, it's interesting though, right? Because he is, he is at peace, but he is willing to be uh, violent and lie to keep his kind of sense of yeah. peace. And the, the planet itself is like, whoa, dude, not cool. That's we right. We are at balance with the universe and this is harsh in our buzz, man. Uh, I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> No, I think that's basically what they said, but that's off screen because they probably said that to Ash, um, and we don't get to see that. But they 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 do agree with him, and they uh, and they like teleport him or something. He he mm-hmm. he. I, my notes just he, say he, he bamps in. It's like Nightcrawler <laughs> from the X Men. He just appears in a blue puff of of smoke and of spores and- is there and. Uh, and yeah, but because it's it, th- this is this is the answer is Saru is willing because he's still Saru to resort to violence and whatever else in order to remain peaceful. And the aliens are like, don't you see the conflict there? <laughs> you can't right. be you cool are the and peaceful all along. <laughs> Indeed. And so and it's like, we don't want you in our little peaceful club. <laughs> You're yeah, out. Get out of here. Yeah, and they uh, apparently, the, I guess the the spores uh, don't need the the little uh, tough book that Burnham has hooked up to their antenna, so they shoot out a message to the Discovery. Uh, Captain Lorca's like, "Hey, we're here. Uh, we'll pick you up," and uh, they beam everybody up. Uh, Saru very upset by this turn uh, and yells, "No!" But yeah. then he appears on the transporter the pad, uh, and I assume the person who is operating the transporter just chooses to ignore the fact that Saru is laying there crying because <laughs> they do not have a reaction at all to that. Uh, yeah, maybe so. <laughs> you, you, um, you didn't mention what I would say is actually the worst moment in this entire episode, oh, which dear. is, so when the, um, when they, the aliens decide to send out the message or whatever they're doing, there's a moment where like, there's a sound effect, like the crystal antenna is doing something now. Like finally this thing is going to happen. And there's like mm-hmm. a couple of shots of like the crystal where it kind of oh, lights up and there's mm-hmm. stuff and the music is playing and it's like more shots of it. And I thought this, they are supposed to 
make this impressive, aren't they? And I thought it was not impressive. I thought it was just like, this is like a tree with some crystals on it. Like, Mm -hmm. there's no shot where I was like, oh, wow, it's really big, or look at that beam that it's sending out or something. It just, it, it, it felt very much like... Everything in this episode is telling me this sh- these series of shots of this crystal sending out this message are supposed to be super dramatic and impressive, and I didn't see it. Like they, they <laughs> it did it looked kind of dumb. It was it was that that like so that was where they were let down by their whatever it was by their special effects or the practical effects or some combination thereof where. Um, they seemed i mean again i wouldn't have felt bad if it, they had just sort of said oh it's transmitting the message but instead there's like music and different camera <laughs> Color angles changing. Mm-hmm. and it's like yeah no that's dumb <laughs> so that's very exciting that didn't work this is for not me. as exciting as you think it is star trek Discovery. no no you you this is supposed to be that amazing revelatory moment where the aliens transmit their message to space via their giant crystal antenna and instead it was just like yeah i, I okay that's there yep, there's that's that fine. prop it's great yeah, there is a twist, though, that we yeah. will get to uh, after we talk about what happens. So uh, while this is all happening, they beat back up. They go to sickbay. Everybody's happy, uh, except for Saru. He's very sad. Very sad. <laughs> and Burnham basically talks to him and is like, you know, we're cool, man. It was the spores. Everything's all right. Saru says, you don't understand. That was not the spores. Maybe it was a little bit spores. Maybe like 5% yeah. spores, 95% Saru. But I'm just a terrible person, and this is all these things that I've done that are horrible in life. And he's like, he's just kind of, he is really brought low by the fact that the, by, by what the spores kind of did to him. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know if he's ever going to be captain with that kind of attitude. I no, gotta tell you. you got to be more positive like Tilly if you want to be the captain. Exactly. Or just not care like Lorca. <laughs> I suppose. That's fair. He's like, well, he does what he needs to do. Fair. Uh, but you can't just mope around in sickbay. And say I'm no. a, I'm a terrible person. You can't do that. Get with it, Saru. Come Although, on. Although again, I think General Order Four, Subsection Two, is that that you got to give somebody a little time after they've been taken <laughs> over by alien spores yeah. to to adapt and get it's over true. it. The hangover it, it is, is rough. It is a trying time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that now we've also got the Klingons again. Yes. For a while they've been there. They haven't really been doing anything uh, that we've seen. They've been doing blowing up a bunch of stuff off screen. Uh, but we haven't been involved. But now we're back on the uh, the good old sarcophagus ship. Yeah. With, and uh, with Laurel, who we last saw when she was on that ship with Harry Mudd and Ash Tyler, who were in lockup mm-hmm. with Lorca. And yes. Ash Tyler shot her in the face and gave her a scar, mm-hmm. which is the first thing that we see is that is that uh, Cole is like, hey, nice scar. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And in that episode of the Flashcast, I spent much time saying I didn't think that Klingon was Laurel, and I was totally wrong. It was her. Uh, and now we know she has a scar. She's back. Uh, she doesn't like Cor- Cole all that much. He doesn't like her all that much. But she says, I want to, uh, you know, devote, pledge my house's loyalty to you, Cole. Uh, you have won. And uh, I have... A multitude of skills that might be helpful. Especially and interrogations. That's right. And I brought my own interrogation kit. Mm-hmm. As all <laughs> good interrogators around. do, yeah. It's got hooks and pain sticks yeah. and other things in it. And, and he's like, all right, uh, prove your worth. Go interrogate this prisoner. I can't get anything out of her. <gasps> and this is the uh, admiral that was previously Admiral seen. Cornwell. Yeah. Yeah. Lorca uh, kind of... Uh, is basically the reason why she's here. Yep. Uh, by following orders, Lurka doomed her to be on this uh, good old Klingon ship. Laurel comes in. She's like, what up, Admiral? The Admiral basically says, I'm not going to tell you anything. Uh, Laurel says in English, you know, scream. And uh, the Admiral's like, uh, what? <laughs> I'm not going to scream. I don't want to do anything. And then Laurel screams. The Admiral screams. Uh, and apparently that's a signal. If you are a Klingon guard and you hear screaming... You walk away yeah, he's for like, some reason. He's like, ah, the interrogation is going well. Yes, okay, it's fine. I can. I, I must can leave. Walk away. Well, I yeah. I mean, I get what they're. I get what they're doing here, which is just, we need to perform just enough so that they assume that I'm torturing you, so that then I can right. talk to you about my plan, which is not to torture you, which is totally <laughs> obvious because mm-hmm. you know she's yeah. This is a setup. Um, 
and I'm going to get you out of here, she says. And, and like, all right, yes. well, that's a different, that's not the interrogation technique that uh, that's right. uh, she expects. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. And the Admiral's like, why should I trust you? And Laurel's like, you don't have any other choice, really. So, yeah. And then she explains, don't... like, I'm, I, I, want to, I want to defect because mm-hmm. uh, Cole has taken all of my people away. Um, all the people from my house, all my buddies are have joined him. So I'm alone. Uh, mm-hmm. Takuvma's successor, the new torchbearer, he was chased away and is forever gone. Everything forever. sucks. We need to yep. get out of here. That's right. You should take me to your ship. Uh, the Admiral's like, my ship? And she's like, yeah, the Discovery. And the Admiral's like, yeah, that's my ship. Sure, let's go there. <laughs> we know all about it. <laughs> and at this point, I'm thinking, oh, Ash Tyler's not going to like it if uh, if uh, Laurel shows up, given that the, you know she was supposedly you know using him as a sex slave for for months, right? But that's uh, true. It, <laughs> it, it doesn't come to that, at least not yet, because uh, no. they... they uh, so so I knew what was going to happen here because they're just kind of like sauntering down a corridor to wherever yeah, the ship very is. Very openly. And she's like, oh, before we even go to the ship to escape, I'm going to go to the warp core and set it to blow up. And then I'm out of here. And I'm like, that... No, that like you should be sneaking <laughs> around if you're doing mm-hmm. this. And as she's casually talking to her, a couple Klingons show up and are like, "Hey, what's going on here?" <laughs> yeah, I, I thought was that. I think Cole showed up. Was that Cole? It's hard to tell. I don't. I don't want to be space racist, but it's hard to tell these Klingons apart. Yeah, if it wasn't uh, Cole, it was like his guards, <laughs> and then Cole showed up afterward. But they like they totally have got her number, and she. So she says, like, uh, well, at least she didn't right. die in the cell, and slams right. the admiral against some very unsafe sparking <laughs> something or other that like electrocutes her. Klingon starship designers uh, don't well, keep they don't, safety. There's, there's no safety on Klingon ships because it would be, there would be no honor in them building right. a safe ship. You've got to <laughs> have it be as dangerous as possible because that's just what keeps it uh, keeps it cool and Klingon. I I the way I choose to read this is that she is legitimately trying to sneak her out, even though badly, mm-hmm. and that the moment she's caught, she realizes that that story is not going to work, and so she instead decides that she will just kill the admiral and claim that she captured her, you know, or killed her trying to escape Um, and i think i don't think the admiral's dead but uh we'll we'll find out no she's dragging her around so it may be that this is i mean because she says i'll take the body blah 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 and they're like all right sure and she drags the body into the klingon Mm -hmm. morgue and i i kept waiting for her to be like ah but she's not really dead but we well yes well and would they have lingered on her face if she was if that was like i don't know she might be dead I don't know. It, it, it seemed weird. Like... It seemed a little weird to me that the, the, they like lingered on her there. Um, but but in, while she's in the morgue, she does re- see, realize that all her buddies that she was all lamenting, yeah. they're all they're yeah. all dead. They killed them all. Just piled up in the morgue. Uh, and the Klingon morgue, not very tidy, is another thing we could say about Klingons. Yeah. Uh, but I assume that that they probably abandoned the practice because this this ship is like they would take their honored dead and put them in sarcophaguses and then shoot them out and then they'd be part of like the shielding of the ship. It seems like Cole. Doesn't Not care. so into that. Yeah, so he just throws the bodies in there, and they close the door, and it's fine. Yeah, I mean, it's probably refrigerated or something, but that's about it. Yeah, right. it doesn't. Not very pleasant. Um, and then she uh, she goes back and Cole to see Cole, right? And he's like, "You not so good." Uh, <laughs> uh, an interrogator, and she's like, "Well, he, she didn't escape, but I killed her." And uh, this is when the dramatic kind of ending, like he's like, "Let us show you what happens to liars." Did you yeah. think I would not see through your falsehood? Yeah, he makes her a, a swear to join his house. Mm-hmm. And he puts the paint on her, and then he says, yeah, you're a liar, and now I'm going to show you what happens to liars. And I, I was wondering why he did it that way, and, and maybe it's like once she admits to be in his house, he has power over her, where he's allowed to like honorably kill her, because now she's ah. part of his house, I guess is my theory, or he just wanted right. to make her make her bend the knee to him before he does. Yeah, I think w- he wanted to humiliate her a little bit before yeah. he uh, kills her. And so that, that his, red his paint humiliation happens. Red paint it's you know her face is red <laughs> with embarrassment yeah. ed because of all the red face <laughs> yeah <laughs> and he says take her away and they're like oh yes yes but sir we've received a radio message from some weird planet called pavo that ha- that's probably sent by spores what do you think should we go there and he's like sure it's like yes yeah let's go let's, immediately <laughs> let's do that which strikes me as very odd <laughs> 
but yeah. all right, Cole. Yeah, I mean, there's time. There's some time issues there. I, I'm unclear, like what the different change in time is, and if, if if it took a little bit to get there, but obviously not too long because Discovery is still in orbit around Pavo. But yeah. the, I, I assume it's like a subspace frequency, yeah. so they get it immediately. Uh, although the, there are times in this when communication is not immediate, so I don't quite understand that. My my real question though is why would Cole just be like? Like, the, the communication officer literally says, we're getting some strange uh, communications from this random planet we've never heard of. Should we go there? <laughs> and Cole says, yes, well, for no reason. What I like what I like about this is that it's, it's Discovery's sort of screw-up that basically is like, mm-hmm. oh, we tried to build this thing as a weapon, and instead it's turned into a homing beacon. Um, <laughs> no, also, I like that part. I'm also going to assume the that the glowy spores, like their message to the Klingons is specifically like, you should come here oh, or something. Cause the they're, they're, here. Maybe cause, it's like the discoveries here. Yeah. Cause their whole goal is to get them together because then they'll all be in peace and, and love. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is totally Which not going to happen. Also um, very Star trek but it does, it does mean that Laurel who was sort of going to be put on ice and then probably executed is instead going mm-hmm. to be on a ship that is going to be right where she kind of wanted to be, which is mm-hmm. next to discovery. Um, for some reason, which leads us into the you know the the next episode, which will be the last one until January. Yeah, That's our big mid season, f- you know, fall finale. Yes, exactly right. So uh, that was that was a dramatic end to that storyline that the, the 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 two come together in the end there because Cole has received the message from uh, from Pavo from and is gonna. Uh, and the program, sar- yeah, and the uh, sarcophagus ship just uh, pops in and just pops in, yeah. yeah. And I, I, I like it. I like the that the the aliens on that planet are like, hey, there's this war going on. Let's just uh, be chill and cool, everybody. Yeah, we're totally going to fix this. We've never had contact with anybody before, <laughs> but if you just listen, and be, be like us. We're cool. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're glow they, spores. They everybody should have learned glow. from Saru. Like, oh, these people are. I expected that to be their lesson was like, wow, we cannot like we we gave you our best spores, man. And you just were mean <laughs> and a liar. So no spores for you. Right. But that's not what no, they did. They're like, no, everybody they're like, come to my planet for a party. <laughs> it's like that when you're in a relationship with somebody who you like, but there are, you know, significant flaws and you think, you know what? I can fix this person. That's yeah, what the spores that's are. What we the can spores, fix you. That's what the spores are for <laughs> is to fix them. And uh, we all know how that always turns out. Uh-huh. So I, d- I don't think that in the next episode they're going to have a big no, peace talk. I suspect it's going to be fine. Pavo is going to be really disappointed in us. That's I think so. Uh-huh. Uh, but that's the epi- this episode. I mean, a lot. Not a. I think it's an important episode. It isn't as good as the last two episodes, but still a good episode. Yeah, I thought it was uh, fun. I liked all the. I liked the bits with Burnham and. Uh, Ash and Saru. I love Saru. Great character. Like to like mm-hmm. to have more of his. You know, it's bad for him. He's very sad, but it was very interesting to see that aspect of his personality. Um, it definitely felt very Star Trek. First contact. These are aliens. Mm-hmm. Turns out they're intelligent. Uh, also very Star Trek. In the in the end, there's like a possessed person who has to like get in a fight with another one of their crewmates. <laughs> and it happens. Like, I, I I mean, no shirts were ripped, but it could have mm-hmm. been. Like it was that at that level of like. Yes, yes, this is what happens in a Star Trek episode. So that was all fun. <laughs> and they did push the plot forward sort of in parallel in a couple of places with Stamets and with the Klingons. I thought the Klingon mm-hmm. story was the most interesting they've done with the Klingons yet, in that I yes. actually understand, like, I understand Laurel's motivation. She's in the spy house. Uh, she hates. Uh, Coal and House Core, but she's trying. She's got a she's got a plot, and then it fails. But like I I get her motivations and the fact that she's not for um, Cole and uh, she's trying to work against him. And like it was actually an interesting Klingon plot, so I was very happy to see that um, too. So it's kind of a fun yeah. where they're walking the line of we're going to push the story arc forward, but we're also going to have something that feels a little bit more like a like a like a self-contained story, just like the time loop was last week. Yes, and it feels like the all the effort that they put into the Klingons is finally paying off a little yep. bit because it's been a slog. It's been a frankly, lot through well, all the Klingon stuff. Yeah, yeah, but I, uh, I, I, now it's it moving. It's yeah, it, it makes sense, and and it helps that we kind of got somebody to root for. I'm not sure if we're really supposed to root for Lorel, but I like that <laughs> the she's Klingon. 
interrogator. Yeah, but she's a conflict. Well, I like the Klingon spies, and they're like they're not so. That's true. We always they, the Klingons always talk about honor, and it's like no, these, these this house is not honorable. They're the liars and the deceivers, and that's their thing. And um, I think that's interesting, and that that they're at odds with with Cole, mm-hmm. who's prosecuting this war. Is is there an enemy of my enemy is my friend kind of thing, and trying to create some sort of schism or have an alternate uh, ruling group to Cole's group in the Klingon Empire? Would that stop the war? Uh, is that's all kind of laying out there now, and is interesting. Yes. So now I'm going to fire off. The conspiracy phaser. That's right. So if you if you don't want to hear about our crazy conspiracy theories, you should go and just come back next week where we're going to talk about that episode. But now, yeah. uh, um, here here it is. I think it's been set to overload. Oh no, conspiracy phaser. Yeah. So here's the, 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 the nugget, if you have not listened to Conspiracy uh, Corner before, with uh, our Conspiracy Phaser. Yeah, that's right, behind the Tyler. Gorn. Just let yourself in, behind the Gorn skeleton. <laughs> right. But close the door behind you, please. Oh, yes. Uh, we don't want any ensigns just uh, walking in. Or I guess they're cadets. Cadets. Worse. Uh, <laughs> even worse. Is that Ash Tyler is a secret Klingon. Secret Klingon? Uh, secret Klingon. Uh, that, is, that is the big conspiracy that's going around the internet the secret klingon Mm -hmm. torchbearer and we got more evidence that may or may not be evidence in this episode for that (laughs) because yes there are a couple things right yeah yeah so so Mm -hmm. ash tyler uh says um I'm angry at the Klingons. I want to make them suffer like they made me suffer, which is meant to be like, because he was being held by them. But again, I'm kind of holding to my theory that he really feels that way, that because he was turned into a human by who knows what sort of terrible techniques and the fact that he does scar Laurel on that ship that he shoots her um, and and says, I hate what you did to me or whatever it was, that he's not um, a sleeper agent who is uh, happy with his role as a sleeper agent, that he's actually more like a sleeper agent who who is has turned into kind of a defector. Or, or, or at least a very reluctant sleeper agent. So my little pet theory about him is is furthered by that line. Um, but then Laurel has her line, which is, because of Cole, I am alone, even Takuma's successor was chased away, forever gone. And I think that's really interesting because we've never seen, right? Like, this is the question now. The show has yeah, put it out there, he? which is, where is Voke? Where is he? She said, I've got to take you. i got a plan. And now we haven't seen him. And she's like, he was chased away and he's gone. Well, I feel like that like almost clinches it that he is, <laughs> that Voke is Ash Tyler because we haven't seen him. And this fits in perfectly to the theory that he has, he, he basically is really mad at her and ran away <laughs> with, uh, with the discovery. Right. And that's why I thought it was so interesting. And another clue that she comes to the Admiral and specifically says, I want to go to your ship. And the Admiral's like, what are you talking about? She says, we were on a, a shuttle from the Discovery. We're going to the Discovery. It's like, she really wants to be on the Discovery. Right. Which I assume is because she wants to get to Voke, who is her mm-hmm. secret Klingon. And, exactly. And I feel like we are leading up to a scene where we get Laurel and Voke in the same room or Laurel and Ash <laughs> Tyler in the same room. And there's one of those moments of like, oh, no like and everybody else is like i know this is awkward because you know she was she used you as a sex slave on her on her <laughs> ship and she's like oh no no that's not the reason it's awkward the reason it's awkward he is he's totally a klingon i'd lay it 50 50 that we actually might see that in the end of next week's episode yeah i think that might be the the big cliffhanger the reveal and i i thought because there's also that moment uh where we talk about what uh saru is like hey you know touch this rock the green rock and yeah, the green rocket will be, you know, you'll be at one with the universe. And and so we saw the spores do that to Saru. And it was a flashback to kind of these stressful moments. Uh, and we do not see that for Tyler. We see no. his reaction, but we don't see what he sees. And then Saru is like, you are a deceiver, Burner. right? Mm-hmm. Which is like, well, and, he, I mean, he is hiding yes. that Burnham is going to the big space radio. But also, he's totally a secret Klingon. He's a secret Klingon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think I think all things are pointing to secret. We're Klingon. still someone, on the path. 
someone in uh, the incomparable member chat, uh, member Slack, uh, thinks that he might be a secret human, <laughs> which I don't quite know what that, how huh. that all works out. But they had a, a theory about how he was really a human, but then he was a Klingon, now he's a human again. I don't really understand it all, but... That so that could be, be like the, the the quadruple sleeper agent. <laughs> That's right. He's a, what is that? Is that like a wake a wake up agent? Uh, the, the the catnap they're, they're agent. Twice as awake. I don't know. It's very <laughs> confusing. But I know I I'm I'm liking this. Uh, I'm liking this theory a little bit more. It's fun to analyze in the context of believing the conspiracy and see mm-hmm. where he's going. Um, you know, and the, I should I should point out that we have no inside knowledge. No, this is all just internet us speculation up clues that may or may not be clues uh so this could be all horribly wrong and that would also i think i would find that quite entertaining yeah. as well well and i think that because we we have this suggestion of the history between laurel and ash tyler about um on her ship and she took a liking to him and all of that that they said in that mm-hmm. episode that um that is that is really clever because it allows the show to play the drama of them being in the same room together right. and have it be read like a totally different way if you're just taking it on face value versus if mm-hmm. you are behind the Gorn skeleton in the conspiracy corner, <laughs> in which case it means something totally different. Um, and that's that's I think that's really interesting. I, I do like how the fact that it's like, all right, uh, you're going to be a secret human. You need to know about Trout. <laughs> all the things humans love trout seattle yeah boats uh, lake shasta boats. all of these things you gotta get you gotta get on it you gotta you gotta know about trout you gotta yes, somebody asks if you've eaten a trout you have to say mm, yes they are tasty it is delicious and i did not eat it alive it was dead it was, when i ate it yeah. just like humans eat it just yes that's right it's not i mean just like we eat it just, yeah just like just as humans as i am a human enjoy to partake of that food Yes. Hello, fellow humans. Yes, that's right. That's right. I'd like to see that Steve Buscemi GIF, right? Is the hello, fellow humans. And he's surrounded by aliens or something. I don't know. Uh, yeah, and I will say that, uh, once again, delving into the incomparable member slack, hello people who listen there. Hi, members. There are some people who, who their main problem with the uh, conspiracy theory is that uh, it would be difficult for the Klingons to turn him into a human. Uh, and I think that that is probably the easiest thing to explain away. So, well, I don't, the, the, it's the Arn, Arn Darvin theory, right? Which is even though they've got mm-hmm. these big uh, bone crests on them and they look like they couldn't possibly be a human, we know from Star Trek canon that you can make Klingons look like humans. So mm-hmm. it can be explained away. Like, it, it may seem dumb. It may be dumb. Yeah. But it it's canon. <laughs> So it's established it is, fifty fact, years um, old. Just, we know that it that it can be. Jim, this man is a Klingon, right? That's all, and there's a Tribble, <gasps> and that's it. We know. So mm-hmm. uh, you know that's the easiest problem to solve. Um, that's true. Yeah, that's right. I'm still still waiting for that that Tribble on Lorca's desk, who is no longer on Lorca's desk. Last we saw, but it, but tri- I, it, it was trilling. I heard it. Um, I heard it this week. So it is around. Oh, right. It is hanging around somewhere. <laughs> it's on in the Jeffrey's tomb. It's very slowly. <laughs> yes, Ensign Tribble. Is very slowly moving throughout the ship. That's um, right. He's going to his post. Uh-huh. He's been going there for like <laughs> it's a very long three time. weeks. He's, he's trying to get. It's there. like a turtle being an, an <laughs> ensign. It's it, it's a so I, people who are listening to this who don't know, we will say the incomparable does have a membership plan, and if you'd like to support us, you can even mm, check yes. the box for TV, and the money will come to those of us who do these flashcasts. You can check the box for other podcasts that you like to listen to on the incomparable. You do get access to this members only Slack channel, which is kind of fun, where there are other listeners to the podcast who talk about stuff yeah. and go to theincomparable.com slash members if you'd like to sign up and you you get that and a bunch of extra like podcast bonus feeds and stuff too so that was an unanticipated ad for the incomparable membership but (laughs) since you mentioned the slack yeah if you sign up, you can uh, come into the Random Trek uh, channel on the the uh, Incomparables membership Slack and argue with me about Discovery. And, it's great. And, uh, that's uh, what I do, mainly. And argue about uh, how you pronounce things. And oh, yes. All the Orville. I'm always wrong, yeah. but I, I continue to think I'm right. I think we got all the pronunciations right here except maybe the Latin. But uh, the la- which I did not attempt. So, yeah, but I think that's you got on me. Close. That's on me. Yes. I don't Send know. If, I don't know if I don't know if the first word in that is pronounced uh, "c" like "yes" in Spanish, or "sigh," or something mm-hmm. else. I don't. I quite. It's probably "c" though, right? Because it's it's a Romance language. They're so. practically all the same, right? Spanish, Latin. Uh, uh, 
I don't and, know. and apparently, this is one of nine Star Trek episodes with Latin names. Oh. So, uh, there you go. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all part of it. Yeah, it's good. Long names, Latin names, weird names. It's all good. <laughs> it's got all your favorites. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's Star Trek. You, you should have weird names um, for titles. We've, we've established this. That's, that's how Star Trek should handle it, which is right. why think- next week, Into the Forest, I go, or I guess Into the Forest, we go for the... Uh, that's the name of the episode. And the forest I go is the name of the uh, the next episode. The ninth. That's right. Fall <gasps> finale. And fall finale. Pew, pew. I don't know. I guess those are fall finale phases. Originally, <laughs> the um, originally this was the fall finale episode. They announced that they were going to run hmm. eight, and uh, and I thought at the end of it, this would not be a satisfying end. So I hope there's a little more cliffhangery no. something at the end of episode nine. Yeah, because the, I mean, the end of this episode is basically, oh look, Klingons are here. Yeah, and. <laughs> It's it's not that exciting. It's like uh, the it's actually exactly like the uh, the first episode, which ended with yeah. "Hey, Klingons oh. are here, Klingons are here." And uh, and speaking of endings, let's end this podcast. Yeah. Jason, thank you for joining me and talking about uh, the episode eight of a Discovery, which I will not attempt to say the name of. No, a, a Vulcan goodbye to you, and I look forward to our, <laughs> our greeting again next week. Uh, the needs of the podcast listeners outweigh the needs of the podcasters, or the podcaster. Kapla. Kapla.